Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 253. When you don't tell people that they did something good, they're kind of wondering, like, I don't know, um, did I do something right? Did I not? But when they see that you are telling them, like, this was the right thing, then they start doing it more over and over because they know that they're doing the good thing and they're being recognized for it. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Are you short on time when it comes to training your restaurant staff? Well, if you are, don't worry. I'm sure you're not alone. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. You can find that light by visiting Tipsy for a whole library of video courses delivered by world barista champions, leading sommeliers, marketing gurus, and customer service superstars. Learn more by clicking the Tipsy banner in the show notes. If you choose to subscribe today, you'll get a special 50% discount because your restaurant unstoppable listeners get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Petra, and she's going to have to say her last name because we just went over this for the past <laughs> three minutes. I can't do it. I tried so hard. Petra, I'm so sorry. Just this yeah. the full name there. <laughs> no worries. So the name is Petra Polakovicheva. Polakovicheva. I can't do it. I don't know. There I you just go. can't, I can't you see, do you it. Did, you, you just did. You just did. <laughs> well, thank you for that. I mean, you're being nice. But uh, are you feeling unstoppable today, Petra? Even though I just destroyed your name, I'm so sorry. I'm totally, you know, till you didn't say that word unstoppable, I never thought about it, but now I'm like, uh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So Petra moved to San Francisco from Slovakia, Europe. When she was only 18 years old, she had her first taste of American restaurants while working as a food runner at the illustrious Palace Hotel. Working with great sommeliers and their award-winning wine lists has always been a great source of education and inspiration for her. Uh, her desire to be formally accomplished in the wine profession eventually led her to attend the the Professional Culinary Institute and became a certified sommelier in 2007. Following her certificate, she joined Epic Steaks opening team as an assistant sommelier and since June 2009, she has been the wine director of Epic Steakhouse. So, Petra, obviously this is just a huge aerial view of who you are, what you've accomplished. Uh, I can't wait to learn more. Uh, Pete Sitnik has so many great things to say about you in our email, and he was a great episode. I learned a lot from him. He was a great guest. So if he's recommending you, uh, this is going to be a good one. So uh, why don't we learn more about you? But first, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. What do you have for us today? You know what? Mine is kind of very old school that my mom used to always say, but it's simple. It's knowledge is power. Mm, knowledge is power. And it's so true. And how has mm-hmm. that helped you? That quote helped you um, and that just mantra helped you in your life? You know, it brought me to where I'm at. I, if it was uh, studying English as a kid, if I wouldn't have done that, I couldn't probably live in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Or I could, but it would be challenging. Yeah. Uh, studying wine and by studying, um, it brought me to the position where I'm at now. So I always look at life, uh, whether it's um, studying, going to school or learning some experiences or things from friends and other people. I feel like every day you should learn something new mm-hmm. and it just makes you stronger. Absolutely. It's so as a true. person and it never stops. And that's one thing I've noticed about my guests is they never stop learning. And, um, this industry is constantly changing. There's always new tools to be leveraging new, uh, you know, just trying to be a better version of yourself than you were the day before. And that, involves learning every day so awesome stuff. pretty much yeah great way to get this interview started and uh, i'm curious you moved to this country when you were 18 years old from slovakia i mean what what like how was your english like where did you like what were you starting with uh and how far well uh I, <laughs> it was horrible <laughs> i'm still learning it but you know i studied back home um in um elementary school high school for about five or six years um, so I could understand, but, you know, we studied the British English at home and coming to America, everybody speaks fast and 
everybody makes references to Seinfelds and different things <laughs> that they grew up with, and I couldn't understand it. So it was challenging, but I, you know, I had the basics. I could pick up the phone and ask people what they need. I could give them directions. So it wasn't as bad. Awesome. So, uh, but, when you got here, eighteen years old, uh, when was your first? Like, tell, talk us through that experience of getting your first job and uh, what drew you to the restaurant industry, and kind of take it from there. So, um, probably just like anybody else, I uh, needed to find a job to live, and I wanted to go to school. I uh, went to college over here, um, but um, since I was a kid, I used to love traveling. I loved hotels. Um, we traveled a lot as uh, kids with my parents, and uh, I was always fascinated by um, uh, food and beverage and hotels. So it just came natural to me find a job in this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, looked at the Palace Hotel, which is an amazing, beautiful, old historic hotel um, here in San Francisco. And I was lucky enough to get a job as a, a food runner. Um, so started from the bottom. I did kind of uh, work as a busser and a food runner and did afternoon tea and all those things. And uh, usually like uh, after, while I was supporting myself to go to school, uh, I was studying uh, languages and wanted to become a dentist at that time. So uh, um, in a, about a year and a half, when I was kind of done, like, okay, I know how to bust tables and what's there next, uh, I started to ask my boss, I want to learn more, I want to learn more, I want to learn what he's doing, I want to learn bartending and things like that. So I was moving through different positions, went to a server, went to hostess, um, so how to long did uh, it assistant take you, manager. Did, how long did it take you to take that initiative to start asking to learn more? Like, were you there for a few months, a few weeks? What was that like? Uh, altogether, I was at the hotel for, uh, seven years. If, uh, um, I started as a food runner ambassador and finished as a manager. Um, usually after, I don't know, after a few months, maybe six, uh, this is so long ago. I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after like, uh, six, eight months, I would become kind of like, okay, this is all the same thing over. Give me more, yeah. give me more. Right. I always wanted to be a hostess. I found it at like super cool to like see people and logistics and making sure we don't overload one server and everybody gets proper, you know, I just found it kind of cool. It was like a little game. Yeah. Um, so once I was confident with my English and picking up the phone and talking to guests, I asked my boss if I can get that position. And then once I did that, I was like, Hey, um, I kind of like what you do. And what about this number? So why do you price certain things this way? And, I remember asking him, like, what's the difference between champagne and sparkling wine, you know? Um, so I always was curious. I was fascinated yes. by this hotel and what my bosses were doing and uh, wanted to be out there. I'm like, I want to have more. I want to know more. I want to learn more and want to be able to do what other people are doing. I'm like, if they can do it, why shouldn't I be able to do it? Absolutely. Um, then I was um, kind of took like a management trainee position. Um where um, I was helped out in a bar. So the bartenders taught me how to bartend, went behind the bar. And it's like, hey, so how do you do this? <laughs> Tell me about it. You know, and that's kind of how I learned uh, by experience being there. And um, I think people around me, I lucked out that they were fantastic. And they saw that um, my brain was like a sponge and I wanted to know. So they just uh, were willing to share what they knew and, and help me out. Awesome. And uh, so, yeah, I finished. Uh huh. Go ahead. I finished, sorry. I finished as a palace uh, as a manager. And um, then I transferred to a different hotel. It was a W Hotel also over here in San Francisco as a restaurant manager, did banquets for a little bit, managed uh, so a bigger restaurant, bigger how bar. How many years went by from when you came on at 18 years old to taking on management roles and really taking on more as your role uh, at this hotel? About five or six. Five. Okay, beautiful. Yeah. Um, one thing I just want to point out about you, Petra, is that you didn't wait for people to give you more. Um, and that's one thing that I love about successful people is they're very proactive. They don't wait to be told to do more. They go and they ask for more. They're curious. You said that word curious. I was hoping you'd say that word curious. Um, and they're constantly yeah. learning and constantly taking on more and constantly just striving to, to, to grow. And I totally see that mm-hmm. in your story. Uh, it's awesome. So uh, sorry to interrupt. Keep on going. No, I, I actually, I agree. I, I love that. You know, there's a lot of people around and, and I find myself doing uh, 
uh, the same thing that we tend to talk about. I want to do this, I want to do that, but never actually do anything about it. Till um, that's kind of what I did with my um, advanced sommelier certification. I talked about it for years. Till one day, I was like, "Why am I just talking about it? What am I gonna do about it?" So that's awesome. we're talking about present, but yeah, sometimes you need to kick yourself in the butt and it's like do something about it. <laughs> so, how long were you managing before you made a decision to really pursue that uh, that niche uh, uh, title of sommelier? I was managing, oh gosh, you're making me feel so old right now. (laughs) Uh, I was, uh, um, in 2007, after Palace, I went to the W, the bars and restaurants there, where I uh, started to kind of first work with uh, like a real song who knew everything about wine and um, that got me going to like, hey, how do you do that? And then I went to... Uh-huh. I was going to say, what was it about uh, the sommelier position that really just allured you? Or, you know, what was the allure about it? The knowledge. The knowledge, like, how do you know all of these things? How do you know differences between Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc? How do you know what they're supposed to taste like? And um, and in between, personally, uh, with uh, friends, we started to go to uh, the wine country as well, to mm-hmm. Napa Valley. And my friends uh, were... Um, they had passion for wine. So I would start tasting wine with them. And um, so this is kind of cool. It's not just um, um, one flavor, but everything is different. And then it's influenced by where it's from. And then I like the history. I always loved history in school. And then I realized like there is a lot of history and geography going on in the wine business as well. Absolutely. It's not just that flavor of one wine and the stories and Bottom line, wine brings people together. Absolutely. I met my best friends through wines. And um, yeah, so my, this is kind of cool. So when I met this sommelier and he knew, you know, like this is from here and it tastes like that. I'm like, that's awesome. Like, I want to do that. Awesome. So after that, I went to work uh, as a manager at the Ritz-Carlton um, over here in San Francisco, uh, where I worked with another very fantastic psalm. And... Um, I talked to my boyfriend, uh, and I was like, I want to do it. And he sort of pushed me. He's like, okay, yeah, you yeah. have to do it. Now you're going to be talented, go to school, we'll do whatever we need to do. And so I went to school and became certified some in 2007. Awesome. And that's when, uh, Pete Zitnick over here with Pat Coletto and Chef Jen Birnbaum were opening, um, two restaurants on, uh, on a San Francisco waterfront. And uh, I applied, and I feel all over, all over my life, I feel like I lucked up with everything. But I was hired as a assistant uh, sommelier slash manager and um, slowly moved my way up. Same way, later, I need to know more. Director. Awesome story. And well, I'm curious, like you said something that really stood out to me is wine brings people together. I mean, would you say that – what is it about wine specifically – is it that that it brings people together or is there something else about wine that makes you love this work? Well, um, first you're drinking something delicious. And then you're probably eating something delicious that too, but people over wine, they just tend to relax and um, you know, all of a sudden you, piece, you see people smiling and talking and laughing and having fun and, yeah, and when you travel the world and uh, you meet people from all over the world who have the same passion as you, it's amazing. What's there not to love? Yeah, absolutely. Can you think of like the most rewarding or um, just fond memory of being a sommelier? Probably uh, inspiring my own stuff to um, to take it to the next level. And what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. So um, at Epic... Um, Education, obviously, is a big, or maybe not obviously, but it's a big portion of our program. Uh, I do make sure that uh, our staff has the resources um, that sometimes I felt I didn't have. Um, So I want to make sure they're knowledgeable and they study. And there's several uh, servers that, there are several servers that uh, show interest to, um, you know, take the introductory sommelier course, take the certified sommelier course, some of them talking about uh, the advanced and being part of that and watch them grow and hearing from them that I do inspire them and they're thankful that uh, I help them. That's to me, it's like the biggest reward. 
Mm-hmm. What do you do when you, when you inspire somebody? Yeah, absolutely. When, when you do inspire somebody and you do them, you do see them taking this massive interest in what you do and you see that they have that talent and that potential. What do you do? Like, what's your course of action from there? Well, uh, talk to them. I offer them that they can come, uh, let's say do some cellar work, uh, if they want to, uh, um, find taste whenever they want to, uh, give them, uh, uh, some of my study materials or some pointers, um, uh, things that they should study and um, help them out, help them lead them through their way, how to go about it. You know, I had one of my server, we were texting till like one in the morning last night because she had questions about <laughs> Barola and Neviolo. <laughs> and I thought that it was amazing that this girl actually working uh, an hour shift coming, is coming home and uh, is still interested in learning something new, you That's know. Awesome. Yeah, and you said something too that really uh, just like you know hit a sweet spot with me, and that was taking it to the next level, helping your staff take it to the next level. And I think that people in this industry, managers in this industry, that's where they fall short. They really just they they help pe- people bring it to the expected level, but very rarely do we take it to the next level. Uh, and yeah. what's, what's your well, definition of taking it to the next level? I'm curious. You know, I don't know if it's really definition, but uh, like I said, there is a lot of people that will um, tell you that they want to know um, and want to learn, but they really don't do. I'm not saying that they don't want to, but they are not really take it seriously. And then there are a few people that take it seriously and they do come to me and it's like, okay, how do I get there? And they um, they start asking questions. And uh, when I see that there is somebody that is taking it seriously, um, I do want to give them all the knowledge um, and help that I can. Um, we do a, a classes over here like once a month. Uh, they're not mandatory. Everybody's always invited. We do a different uh, wine classes where people can come in and learn. And then uh, me and uh, my other sommeliers, we're always up there. Whether it's um, phone, email, text, um, tasting, like, you know, whatever you want to know, just use me. Mm. till you can and when i see that they are i think telling i think making time for them is also important also from my side like if i tell them yeah, yeah i'll teach you i'll teach you and never make time for them then it can be um not so motivational for them mm-hmm. but if you make time and you show them that yeah you stand by their word and you are proud of them for what they do i think that inspires them even more Absolutely. And um, how do you like handle people? Like, let's, let's be honest, like not everyone's going to have that same drive, that same passion, that same curiosity that you have, Petra. But when you encounter these people who don't necessarily take you seriously or it isn't that important to them, how do you handle those people? Oh, I just don't talk to them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> what did you say? I I'm missed just it. Kidding. I said I just don't talk to them. No, I'm just kidding. Everybody's. Uh, I mean, everybody can do whatever they want. You know, like I'm not gonna push them. There is a certain knowledge that people here at Epic need to have, mm-hmm. uh, and it's required. Um, you know, if we charge fifteen dollars uh, a glass, then they better know what they are selling left and right. So. Those are not mandatory, right? That's part of your job. You need to know. Yeah. And then um, if um, I feel that there are people that um, they don't care, like it's fine with me. And I don't have hard feelings. Um, it's more fun if they do because uh, <laughs> now we can go and geek out. But if they don't, that's totally fine. And if they're honest about it, even better. No, it's true. You know, I, like I said, like, sorry, right now, man. No, sorry. Like right now, I have five servers. They're preparing for the introductory uh, sommelier course. And uh, I wanted a few more. And a couple people came to me. They were honest. I didn't have time this time or this is not for me right now. And it's totally fine. You're honest. And I respect that. I probably respect you more as a person now that you are honest than pretending you want something that you really don't care about. I don't want to do it for me. I want them to do it for themselves. Absolutely. And I think it's important that we understand that not everybody is going to have the same passion that we have um, in this industry. Uh, like we, of course. And it's hard for some people who are just so truly, like just deeply passionate about whether it's the food or the service side or the, the wine and to not, I mean, it, it can be a, a little frustrating sometimes when people aren't at the same level as you are. But I think that's great advice to understand that just because it's our passion doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be their passion. And if you are overwhelming 
and discouraging um, because of it, then you're going to lose people. Have you seen that happen yeah. with other people? Um, I wouldn't really. I, I'm not really sure. I don't think so. Uh, I know what you mean. Uh, but where I I feel like I want to be available for our staff is because even when I was learning, um, even though I was working with great sommeliers, um, I didn't have the chance that somebody would sit down with me and actually explain things to me or tell me do this and do that and kind of do my search on this and focus more on that. And because I felt like I had to work a little bit harder on my own for those things, mm-hmm. I want to kind of make it easier for these guys mm-hmm. and help them out. Like what I didn't have, I want to make sure that they have. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if it makes sense, but there, I think there are like two types of people. There are people that don't have the passion. And like I said, they need to still for their job, they need to have the basics. So we'll go over the basics um, and um, ask me what, um, what do you want to know? Uh, and that's fine. As long as they understand the basics, what they need to know, I'm fine with that. And then uh, when there is the other group, the people that are really more interested and more into it, um, more power to you and, uh, I'll make myself available as much as I can or as much as you want me to. Um, we have a great stuff over here at Epic. We are like one big family. Awesome. Uh, we do a lot of trips together as well. So that motivates them in a way too. We just did one couple of weeks ago and there is a lot of new people that never been to wine country or this was their second time. And I already feel like how much more inspirational it is for them when you are more involved with them rather than just talking about it. Yeah. And that's, huge. I think, I, th- I think we don't do enough. I think, you know, one of the biggest lessons, I think uh, Pete Sicknick was somebody who mm-hmm. introduced me to Garrett Harker um, from, mm-hmm. does that name sound familiar to you? From, yeah. From the, the East coast in Boston. Garrett is huge on education. And I think Pete kind of has that same mentality, that same school yeah. of educating people. And let's mm-hmm. talk to us about that significance of really just taking it to the next level and being responsible, not just to employ these people, but help them grow personally and help them evolve as professionals. Well, um, we do, like I said, we do a lot of education every day, mm-hmm. uh, um, is education. Um, one thing, I believe it's part of service and part of your job. Like I said, if you're going to charge such an amount of money um, for glass of wine or food, uh, your staff better be knowledgeable about the basics. I'm not asking them to be familiar. That's why I have a job here. But they still need to know the basics. But, um, you know, uh, what I started to do here or what we started to do is uh, there's monthly classes. Uh, we pick different region or grape variety or different uh, country. Um, so, and I, I don't teach it myself. I actually pick a staff member and they teach the class. Why is that? So, uh, because uh, I want to learn something as well. <laughs> and by listening to somebody, I learn from, from them. Um, another thing, it's, it's more fun when they have somebody else, uh, when the other members, staff members have, um, can listen to somebody else than always over and over listen to me Mm -hmm. and these people are forced to do homework on it Mm. so they have a month of preparations and they bother me and they come and bother me in a good way they come what should i know i give them kind of the basic overview this is what i want you to cover and then they go home and study on their own then they show me the materials Uh, we pick the wines we're gonna taste and then they present it so it's always um it's kind of also like team building you know uh then there are the other guys are just like poking each other he's like ha ha making fun of each other and but (laughs) in like a really good way so it becomes really fun too and um so far every single person that was teaching one class came to me that not only they learned a lot, but it helped them in service too, because now they're selling more of that specific wine. So for example, if one of my service did class on Syrah, he sells the most Syrah now, you know, the other one did Spain. Now it's like all about Spain, not all about it, but it definitely helps them in their profession too. Absolutely. Sell more wine. So 
Now I'm curious how how does your team light up, Petra, when they know that they're contributing to growing the team as a whole? Like, is it feeding into those higher needs of belonging and knowing that you're helping other people achieve uh, higher uh, standards for their profession? Like, yeah, um, I you know, I, and again, there is everybody is different. There is a group probably of people that feel like whatever is not mine and I don't care. I, I'm going to know what I need to know. But the people that um, the people that are really into it, um, they're passionate. They come into me and they ask like, hey, can we come and help you? And all of a sudden they become in these people who are curious about more and they start coming to me more. It's like, okay, I was able to, th- to do this. It's like, now I want to do more. And all of a sudden there is this mentality in all of them, like they just want to get more, you know, it's like they're never satisfied, kind of like my story at the beginning, like they're never satisfied with what they have anymore, like they want to learn more, like this was fun, everybody was super happy at the meeting, it helped me sell more wine, uh, what what else can I do, what else am I capable of? Um, last year I had uh, three girls that took the introductory sommelier course, and they came back and they're right away like, we're going for certified, you know, like awesome. they are unstoppable. We yes. are kind of this whole team over here. We are unstoppable. <laughs> I love it. So and what I'm picking up yeah. from you, Petra, is that you really have this uh, environment where you really, uh, you know, encourage learning and personal growth. And what do you think is the most important um, variable or uh, what, what does your restaurant need to have or and I'm not sure how to best phrase this but like what do you think it is about Epic Steak and your program of educating your team that makes it so successful I think trusting people and giving them second chance uh, be human be positive be friends um, and um, don't get mad at somebody because they don't know the answer right away but teach them and coach them and give them another chance to learn it why is that so important uh, and well, when you are negative, you don't go too far. No. But if you are positive, um, you go many places. No. And when people see that, you know, it's kind of like training the dog. You know, if you hit him once, he loses your trust. But if you reward him and it's like, okay, you can do this again, it's like you gain their trust. And, and it's so much more fun to be happy absolutely. and positive, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. Um, but, um, you know, when they, when they mess up, Talk about it. I'm not saying don't talk about it, but also explain that let's learn from it. Don't do the same mistake again and and move from it. And when they do something good, make sure they know about it. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you don't tell people that they did something good, they're kind of wondering, like, I don't know. Um, did I do something right? Did I not? But when they see that you are telling them, like, this was the right thing, then they start doing it more over and over because they know that they're doing the good thing and they're being recognized for it. So give us an example of a time where uh, you caught somebody doing something wrong uh, and how did you handle that and how, what's your advice for us to best approach that situation? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) You know, honestly, I cannot, uh, I would have to take a really long time to like think about um, specific example. But usually um, the style that I like to do is if I see somebody doing something wrong, um, and it also depends on type of issue that it is, right? If somebody's serving wine in a wrong wine glass, I'll go to them right away. Mm. And I ask them, hey, um, do you know you're serving Pinot Noir in a Cabernet glass? And there is always a reason. First, ask them why they did that. But guests might have requests that they want that Mm -hmm. different shape of glass, right? Exactly. Never assume that they did something wrong. Always ask them first why certain things happen, mm. right? Because there might be always a reason. Um, and if they don't know what it is, like, oh, yeah, sorry, I forgot, then it's like, okay, for a future, remember, this is a Pinot Noir, needs to go in a Pinot Noir glass, right? It's something minor. If I see them doing something bigger, let's say it's a guest issue and stuff like that, I like to wait till the end of the service, uh, just um, you don't want to affect people during Why? the service. What will happen if you do? Um, 
the whole night goes down. They, they're going to get in a bad mood and then they're going to show it on the guests. Then, the, you know, Absolutely. unintentionally, obviously. But if you're in a bad mood, uh, you cannot focus. Now it's going to be in your head like, oh, my God, I did something wrong. Now the manager is mad at me. And now they're going to start forgetting, putting correct orders and all that stuff. So uh, I like to, at the end of the night, talk about it again, ask them why they reacted a certain way. Um, tell them what the right thing is to do and learn from it. Mm, and when I advice. see them that they corrected it, when I see them that they corrected it next time, make sure they know that they did it right. Awesome. So they see also and you're not doing, you're not just looking for them when they do something bad, but also looking when they do something good. Did you pick that up from the one minute manager? No, well, I brought the one minute manager. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're a natural. I mean, that, uh, it sounds. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it sounds so much like that advice from the one minute manager to, uh, you know, encourage and uh, it's, we're, we're better to not correct the things that people do wrong, but to enforce mm-hmm. and, and to acknowledge when they're doing it right, and you will encourage more of that good behavior. Um, so it's it's great yeah. advice. Um, something I, I don't think we do enough. I mean, think about your. Yeah, think about yourself, you know, just imagine you're working as a manager 10, 12 hours a day and and your boss never, ever tells you you did something right. Mm. How does that make you feel? And then one time you make a mistake and it can be the smallest, most honest mistake and he just like gives it to you. How that makes you feel, right? Yeah. So you want to do the same behavior to, to your staff and, you know, when everybody's happy, we, like I said, we at Epic, we're not perfect, but we are one big happy family. And it is so much joy and fun to work here with, with everybody and people, servers, are they already know, you know, they can push it from here to there. They know that they need to do their work. And, you know, we work hard and we play hard. So what do you think makes it, uh, what is the characteristic about Epic that makes everybody so happy? And just what, why is it such a positive place? What is it that you do that other restaurants don't that, that, you know, uh, supports this, this type of culture? You know, it started, uh, I have to say, um, it starts from, um, Pete, uh, our, um, owner, uh, Pete Sitnik and our Brian, um, our GM, Brian, I was gone for one year. I went to work for, to the Ritz-Carlton in Half Moon Bay to manage the beverage program there. Uh, and when I returned, this new GM uh, was here, and I felt an energy change at Epic. It was walking into this bright light, bright energy, everybody happy. And I think it's um, it was achieved by simply showing respect mm-hmm. for each other. Um, no matter what your title is, no matter if you're a GM, owner, psalm, uh, dishwasher, busser, everybody's treated with respect here. How does he show his respect? Listening, um, doing, I mean, being nice to people, uh, caring about them personally too, not mm-hmm. just taking employees as they are just another number or another human passing by, but that actually they matter and they are the most important resource that we have because they're the ones that are directly touching the customers. Petra, give me a specific Um, example of a time you saw him care, whether it be for you or somebody else, something that he did. I just want these, these specific examples. I agree with you so much that that level of just showing that you care can go so far, but I really want a a specific example of maybe a time that you did this too. Okay, well, specific example would be like, for example, we are all human and we go through ups and downs in life. It might be outside of work or at work. But um, I remember when my boss would um, uh, pull a server um, in the office and talk about uh, certain behaviors that, you know, it's not right, but understood what the issues are, ask them to take some time off and... Uh, talk about it in a human way, not just like you did something bad and but understanding people where they're coming from. Why are they having a hard time? Is there something we can do? Do you need to take a time off? Because, you know, sometimes people feel pressured, like I need to deal with something at home, but 
I need to be at work. And if you have a boss that fully supports you, like, no, you don't have to be here. We'll figure it out until you take care of this. Um, you know, we have people just last year, it was kind of unfortunate event for us, but we had about five different people here at Epic that lost their mom in one oh, year. Man. And going through that, going through that with every single person on a personal level, forget work, forget your boss, be a human for a while, you know? Mm. Um, if a hug is needed, that's fine. If it's conversation, that's fine. If it's a little joke or if it's a little time off or sending a flowers or attending the funeral, those are the things that show the support and the human part. Absolutely. I love this emphasis you're putting on listening. It's come up a few times now. And I think that one weakness, one flaw that can really hurt you in this industry is if you jump to conclusions and you expect the worst. But sometimes yeah. if you just take that time, like you say, to listen and to, to be a human and to uh, first seek to understand, then seek to be understood. Uh, there's so much power mm -hmm. in that. And uh, I love how you're really putting emphasis on that here. Um, we've learned a lot about you. A lot of, we've gathered some great advice on just how to train, mm -hmm. how to lead, uh, and how to be human. And I think that's really what's going to be like some of the underlining things in this interview. Uh, but I really want to capture a failure now, Petra. Uh, tell me about a oh, time <laughs> where you just <laughs> fell hard on your backside. Uh, and what did you learn from this failure and how are you better now because of it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a tough Don't, one. You know, it is a tough one because life is not perfect. Uh, I had in my previous job, I was just, um, um, I was kind of the person who is scared to say no and I felt like I can handle it all. Mm. And, um, Eventually, work got to me, working 10, 12, 14 hours a day, back-to-back, three-hour sleep, back-to-work, and putting uh, personal life and everything on hold because I was just so focused on work and work needed to be perfect. And I burned. And um, I think I should have just told my boss, like, I cannot handle it. There is only so much people can handle and uh, I think I should have asked for more help. It's okay to ask for help and it's okay to admit when you cannot handle something. And I think in the past, I was this person that I thought that I can handle everything. My boss tells me to be here at six in the morning until four in the morning. I can do it. And um, that's not possible. You need to make sure you have balance between personal and work. This wasn't um, Pete Sitnik that I was telling you to pull 14 hours. No. Good, good. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> if it would, I wouldn't work for him for nine years. <laughs> uh, but it's true. No, I this was my previous job till, you know, um, and I'm not saying that those people back then did something wrong. They were probably not even aware of what I was going through because I was not speaking up. I just yeah. said yes to everything till, you know, my relationship uh, started to hurt my um, everything, my personal life started to hurt till one day I just broke and I was like, I can handle it, you know? And, uh, it sucked. It was hard, but I was always, I guess I'm a little more positive person in general. And I just try to look at the bright side and I was like, you know what? I went to see my parents for a couple months in Europe and I came back and I was like, learn from it. Um, it's okay to ask for help. I'm not a superwoman. I'll do always my best and personal life is very important. Um, so finding the balance in life is for great. that person that's going through what you went through and maybe nervous or maybe doesn't want to seem like they can't handle it. What's your advice for them to go about asking for help or to go about speaking up and defending themselves saying, Hey, I'm going to burn out. Um, you're making me resent this job. Like how do you approach management with that issue? Um, say it before, before it builds up and you become defensive because one things, uh, once you handle too much and things become build up inside of you, um, things become uh, really like build up. Then you, um, um, then you kind of start being more uh, negative or, uh, then you can just blow up mm -hmm. rather than, um, uh, catching it before it's, uh, too late. Absolutely. So if you if you cannot, you know, it's okay to we are like I said, we are all humans. It's okay to say this is too much. 
And then um, don't procrastinate. That's like my worst thing. I learned that from my previous boss, actually, at the same time, at the same job that I burned. It's like, if you cannot handle something, just say it and people will be more open about it rather than pretending that it never happened. Mm. Great advice. Awesome stuff. I didn't uh, know if I answered that. <laughs> no, that was great. It was awesome. I, um, I'm really liking the direction this interview is going. There's tons of very uh, helpful advice that you're just spraying all over us right now. So we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsor. We'll be right back. When you're running a busy restaurant, it's pretty hard to find time for training. Well, Tipsy has a whole library of video courses from industry experts, including world barista champions, marketing gurus, and customer service superstars. Get your staff watching Tipsy courses and watch their growth help your business. With Tipsy, scheduling training, tracking skills growth, and measuring engagement is a piece of cake. In the hospitality industry, we never have enough time, so training often falls away. But as management legend Andy Grove says, the only two ways to improve performance are training and motivation. Tipsy provides both. Click the Tipsy banner in the show notes to find out more. Because your Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you'll receive a special 50% off your first month. What are you waiting for? Get on it. We're back. And the first question I have for you, Petra, is what is an it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? The knowledge, I think. Education and fun. Mm. I, I would say fun. curiosity. I think that your desire to be curious and to know the yeah. answers and to be wondering what's going on, on the other side is a huge asset. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that um, when I say knowledge, I think that curiosity, like I always want to know more and I always want to learn more. I don't want to be stuck in the same part, in the same place. I'm not saying that something wrong. It's just for me personally works um, like the more I know or more I study, I I feel great about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what's one of your biggest weaknesses? Procrastination. Mm. And how are you dealing Putting with that? Putting things, Yeah. Oh God, am I? I'm not. I'm procrastinating it. <laughs> um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to become really like better about it. I started to do a lot of um, to do lists. Um, if it's at home, and try to. Um, I used to do this to do list, like get my smallest things done first, and then go to the biggest thing. And I learned that that pushes me away even more. So now I flipped it. I write my things that I need to do. And usually the one that is the hardest one, I try to tackle it first Absolutely. to get done with it. And that seems to be working, but I'm nowhere where do I you, want to do be. Do you learn that yeah. from somebody or is that just from your own trial and error? Cause that's a very like uh, good habit. I, I think, I think I, one day I was just like, let's just get this thing done. And then I think I read it like recently somewhere that it actually works a little bit better. So oh, a little bit of both. Yeah, I think it was um, in Eat That Frog, uh, which is a funny title of a book, but it's about uh, habits and traits that this guy no- noticed after reading all these books and studying all these successful people. And one of the things that uh-huh. successful people do is like like you said, they tackle those big projects first. Um, and the analogy I think they use in the book is imagine uh, like a like a like a trash can. Uh, with these big, uh-huh. these big, yeah. big, like, I don't know, like kickballs or like beach balls, right? In this trash can. And, um, when the goal is to, to, to tackle, to, uh, to hit all those, those big items first and think about all the room you're going to free up in that trash can if you get rid of those big items. Right. Um, and yeah, also it feels better. Yeah. And these, these big items are, like you said, they're going to make you feel better. They're going to make you feel like you accomplished a lot more and they're likely going to result in an, a, a cause or an effect that will put you ahead that will give you another asset or make you better, which will help you like just bust through those little side projects that, um, you know, it's, it's better to focus on one big project and not stop on that one big project until it's done and just, and just tackle that one thing. Because, uh, if not, it will just be a a half finished project all the time. So, uh, pretty much. yeah. Yeah. And it sounds really good when you get that done, you're like, Oh, you know, this was my biggest project, but it wasn't really that difficult. Now I just have the easy ones and yeah. it's kind of done. So, 
You should definitely. It makes me feel better. You should check out that book, Petra. I think you'd love it, especially if your biggest challenge is. Uh, I will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I will. Eat that frog. I loved it. Uh, it's I need a lot too. of help with that. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, what is one piece of advice you have for leading others? For I'm sorry. For who? Uh, one piece of advice for leading others. Lead by example. And, and be positive. Give me an example of when you led by example. I do it every day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like, uh, so for example, um, again, to restaurant um, service, if I tell people carry glasses on a tray and then they see me carrying them in my hands, I'm not probably telling them I'm not doing what I expect them to do. So I always try to do what I expect others to do. Absolutely. You can't expect people to do things a certain way. If you turn around and right in front of them, obey or disobey your own, uh, rules. Um, absolutely. Uh, and I'm curious on your take. I, I recently, a couple of months back, I had, uh, a live blab with, uh, two other service professionals. And, uh, it was my take that, um, if you want to get respect from people, um, you, you should go clean the bathroom and <laughs> clean it better than anybody's ever cleaned it before. What's your, what's your take on that? Do you think that's something that is bad or good? I think that's good. Why? I think that's good. Well, I think just in general, if um, if they see that you are actually trying even harder or working even harder than they are, they're gonna follow you. Yeah, and that's kind of where I thought in like too. a bigger in like a in like a bigger picture. I'm not you know, but in like a bigger picture, if you're um, like for example, with this whole study, right? If they see me that I'm studying for for my masters or for whatever that is. And I'm pulling them with them with me, then it's easier. But if I just sit here and say, "Oh, I don't know," and I'm not doing what I ask them to do, I tell them you have to study five five hours a day. But I'm not doing that myself. It's harder mm. for them, I think. Absolutely. And in, in a restaurant in general, if they see that you keep the word that you tell them and what you ask them, you actually doing that and probably doing it even more. Then, um, then they, they they cannot even have an excuse. It's like, well, you're not doing it, so why should I? Yeah, exactly. You, you've got to, uh, you know, live that culture that you uh, that you preach. You know, you, you've got to embody. Yeah, it. absolutely. And uh, what's one question, Petra, that you ask during interviews, or uh, a trait or quality that you're looking for during the interview process? Passion for hospitality. And what do you what do you um, mean by that? I um, want to hear people um, talking in their own words. Um, do they go out? Are they interested in food? Are they uh, interested in this industry at all? Uh, what does hospitality mean to them? Uh, I like to ask if they like to cook. If they do, what do they cook? What was the last good wine that they had? Why do they like it? Um, what is their favorite restaurant in San Francisco? What they like about it? Yeah. I believe that in this business, um, you know, it's great to give back to the business and by going out, you learn your own business. It's kind of almost like a research. Yeah. Um, and, um, I just want to see and feel the passion for the hospitality that, that they have, you know, if they have that, they can learn anything else. Um, I can teach them about wine. Chef can teach them about food. Uh, you know, we can teach them the service standards, but if you don't have it in your heart, if you're just doing it because you have no other option, then it's difficult to teach everything else. Absolutely. And if you have hospitality uh, in you and you love being around people and um, that's what makes you happy because that's why I am in this business, it's like then it shows on your guests too, you know? And then if you are fun and professional with your guests, even if you make that one mistake, the people will probably forgive you a little bit easier than if you're kind of like going through motions. What's one dead giveaway that somebody has hospitality in them? I don't know how to say it specifically, but I think you can feel it. You can, um, you know, um, you can tell if, uh, let's say people go out or people enjoy, um, 
getting together with other people. You know, if somebody tells me, it's like, oh, my God, I love hosting my friends in my house and I love cooking for them or I'm not really sure how to cook yet, but I'm learning or, um, you know, those things. It's like, okay, you're, you're got that in you. You might be at the beginning, but you have something in there. And when you have somebody tells you like, oh, I don't know, I just need to go to school and I heard servers getting good money, so I want that job, you you know. Yeah. You kind of don't feel it. I would say just trust your gut. And that's why I feel like I, I'm hearing you say is trust yeah. your gut. And that first impression you get of somebody is likely going to be the same first impression a guest gets from that person. So if that first Pretty impression much. isn't good, if you're not feeling like warmth or happiness or like a good vibe, then mm-hmm. that might be the same impression your guests get. So trust that gut feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, what's a current challenge you're dealing with right now and, uh, you know, how are you dealing with it? Current challenge for me personally would be that I need to really, uh, start studying hard, like heavy duty hard for my masters. And I am not doing it because I am finding that I don't have enough time to do it. Mm. Uh, so my challenge is again to, uh, really, um, just kind of tell myself like stop procrastinating and stop talking about it, but just do it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, how's that yeah, going for you? Kind of, uh, it's, uh, going, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, my plan is, um, my plan is to get to it, uh, within this month because, uh, I'm kind of, uh, you know, when you watch your friends and peers going through it and, uh, passing by and, you know, passing their tests and you're like, I have exactly the same opportunity. We are so lucky to live in San Francisco, the resources we have, the support we have, like I would be crazy not to take advantage of it. So I just really need to um, listen to myself and what I'm trying to preach and uh, be the example and show people that if you put the hard work into something, you can get what you want to be. When's your deadline? When when are you going to try to have your master's test taken? So the master's happens every year and um, the way it works, you need to take theory first, which is usually every March. Um, um, And it's a lot of studying. I don't think I will be ready by this March. My goal would be this coming March in 2017. But uh, ideally, I think I'm going to sign up for the 2018 March. What can I do from there? What can I do to help you make that 17 March deadline? Give, give me the book. Stop procrastinating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put a reminder on the first of every month to shoot you an email to ask how your progress is going. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, the, the, um, the, just the theory portion of the masters. I mean, it's, uh, such a huge test and it's so much fun when I study that too. Like that's not it. It's just finding the, the balance, uh, making sure that my work, um, uh, my work life and my personal life and my study life are um, balanced and um, I just need to really um, organize myself and get discipline. Discipline, I think, is the biggest uh, thing right here. Like I need to be disciplined, make my schedule and stay on it. So I'm rooting for you, Petra. Here and there. I'm rooting yeah, for you. Yeah, here and there. A little, rem- yeah, a little <laughs> reminder. It's like, hey, how's your discipline going? Um, yeah. If you want me to be but, that person uh, for you to say the word, I'll shoot you that once a month reminder. I, I promise. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> thank what, you. <laughs> what is uh, one thing besides food your restaurant does really well that you think separates you from other restaurants or wine? You can't say wine. wine. Obviously. <laughs> no, you can't say wine. <laughs> um, I think the way we take care of our employees. I love it. Um, and how we are treated and it comes from top to bottom. I think the way we are all treated here, um, with a respect, humility, um, we're treated as uh, humans, not as numbers. And, uh, I think that shows we are, um, constantly coaching uh, and preaching positivity and it just shows in uh, our staff in our reviews um and i cannot tell that other people are not doing it i have not worked in a restaurant for a long time but this place is very different there is a reason why i came back uh to this place and uh you know sometimes i kind of 
dream about it. Like, oh, I want to work in a Michelin star restaurant and I want to work for the most famous chefs in the world. And it would be all like amazing and ideal. But what I have here, the family I have here, I don't want to leave that. It's amazing what we have. What do you think it is about that restaurant that allows them <laughs> to stay positive so long? Like where, where does it all start? Like what can we do in our restaurants today to start having that type of positivity? I think it's just, so like I said, um, what my boss and I'm trying to, um, teach from him, uh, learn from him, but it's, um, um, talking to people, not only about work, um, ask them how they are doing, you know, uh, how their families are doing, um, and um, help them with what they need. It's, they feel like they can grow and they want to, you know, take the path to the next level. Let's uh, help them how they can get there, uh, not just talk about it, but actually show them um, and give them the uh, resources and um, and be nice yourself. Mm. And work on yourself, you know, like we work on ourselves as people. It's not like my boss knows everything or I know everything and we're just teaching it. We need to make sure we work on ourselves every single day. And it's hard, you know, we are in a stressful environment and it's not like whatever I said that every day is perfect and uh, kumbaya and all that stuff. You know, it's um, it's a hard business when somebody does something wrong and right there on a spot, you just want to kind of like... um, say something and then you need to like hold yourself. It's like, no, that's not the right way to do, you know, and, and we're learning still and be open to learning. You're never reach point in your life when you know it all, you're still learning. So, um, don't also act as you know it all because you don't. And uh, your staff can teach you a lot too. Like I like to learn from my staff a lot of things every day. So much great advice. You would be surprised. Yeah. You're you're pouring it out there right now, Petra. This is incredible advice. <laughs> I couldn't agree more with everything you said. Uh, what is one book we must read, Petra, to make us a better person like you say we need to be or a better restaurant owner or a better sommelier? So there are two different books. Uh, one, if you want to become a little better person, um, there is a small book called uh, Four Agreements that actually one of my servers gave me, and it's a fantastic uh, book. And it just kind of teaches you um, how to um, let go certain things you cannot control because they're just going to ruin you. Uh, but it's an amazing book. You can have it done in one day. And for restaurant business, I really love... Um, Danny Mayer's book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, I mean, that guy's brilliant. So, uh, from Union Square Hospitality, if you get his book, um, yeah. That's, uh, Setting Up the Table uh, yeah. is the name. Yeah. Setting Up the Table, yeah. Exactly. Amazing book for every professional. And you ask me, like, how do you know the hospitality? When you read that book, you feel the hospitality. It's, oh, I don't yeah. think it's something you can define. I think it's you feel it. Yeah. So. Two great books. Uh, I think that's the first time The Four Agreements has been mentioned on the show, so I'm super excited for that. And it looks like it's on Audible, too. So uh, both those books on Audible. You can get either one of those books free today. Just head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. Uh, you can get that free book today. And I'm going to have to check that one out. I'm excited for the, the Four Agreements. It sounds like a good one. Yeah, um, it's great. And, you know, you ask, we talk about a lot of positivity and something that I'm learning every day, even from my bosses. It's meditation. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Uh, Pete, uh, I'm sure he talked about it. Um, you know, take five, ten minutes a day and meditate. It will get make you better and more in line and uh, um, have a goal each day. Give a compliment to somebody. Yes. It you- can be about anything and it will just make people... It will make you feel so much oh. better when you see smile on somebody else's face. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's nothing better than just, you know, I mean, that's why we are all attracted to this industry in the first place, really, is making people happy. And when you 
if you think serving somebody an amazing glass of wine or a delicious plate is one way to make somebody happy, try just giving a compliment. Um, and just, exactly. there's it, people love hearing good things about themselves and that it's like, a, it's even more impactful than, you know, creating that amazing experience. Uh, it's such mm-hmm. a, a great way to spread happiness and just positivity. Like you've been talking about this entire interview with throughout your restaurant. Um, so those links will be in the show notes again, restaurant com slash two fifty blank. I'm not sure what episode this is going to be or it's over to audible trial.com. Uh, what is one piece of technology Petra, that you are leveraging in your restaurant, uh, whether it be to improve communication, to make your restaurant more efficient, more effective, or provide a better service, like just share one piece of technology with us. You know, the one I cannot really think about something specific. The one that we use on daily basis is Avero. Um, it's kind of like a notes for managers where you um, – I mean, that's like the best tool. It shows you your sales, your voids, your comps, your uh, personalized server uh, numbers. Uh, um, we leave uh, managers' notes there every day. Uh, so I think it's like the best tool that we use. Yeah. Uh, I can, um, I can if I do an incentive contest, I can see what server sells the most dessert wines or that, you know, like um, it, it has everything pretty much in it. But we also use it for uh, daily communication. So if I'm off for two days, I can log into it from home, know exactly what happened um, in the restaurant while I was gone. And uh, and again, um, talking about positivity, when my uh, boss, our GM, uh, added a new column to it. And every day we need to write one What about, uh, we call it epic wins, pretty much about one person that all the show that day and why awesome. to kind of force us to notice the uh, nice things as well. You know, in managers log, people <laughs> tend to write all me of the bad things that happen, but this column is only for good things. And uh, Hey, recognize that one person that did something extra today. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I do too. And that's a, uh, that's NCR, um, uh, a Vero slingshot, correct? Is that, is that what you said? Correct. Okay. Avera slingshot. Yes. Got it. Yeah. Um, and with all the knowledge you have now, the the knowledge you've gained over these years, if if you could go back in time to that eighteen year old version of yourself, that first busser position, that first uh, uh, was it busing, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you could go back to busser that version food of runner. yourself, or maybe that when you first realized that you wanted to pursue this career of a sommelier, what's one piece of advice you would give yourself? Don't procrastinate. Have a discipline and do something about it now. Now, don't uh, don't wait. Uh, don't wait that somebody's gonna come to you and open your brain and put a funnel in and put all the knowledge in. You have to do the hard work and don't push it away. And um, more, yeah. The faster you do it, the better the world is. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome stuff. And what's one question, Petra? I could have asked you that would have added more value to this interview. I don't know. That was the hardest question you asked. (laughs) (laughs) I think you asked really, uh, really, really great, um, great questions. I I have to think about that one for for a while. Okay. Well, if it if it if it comes to your mind before this goes live, I'll I'll squeeze it in there. Sure. <laughs> you just call me. <laughs> all right. So uh, that's it. Those are all the questions for today, Petra. You've been awesome. We wrap up every episode by calling somebody out. So who's one independent restaurant operator that you just admire? Uh, I think would be a great guest mentor on the show, like you've been for us today. I think my GM, Brian Walsh. All right, Brian, look up, man. I am coming after you. Uh, it sounds like you are one great dude. I would love to get your story and your advice. Look out. Uh, and let the folks at home know, Petra, how we can connect with you. Uh, maybe somebody wants to become a sommelier or wants to work under somebody who really can mentor them and steer them in the right direction. Uh, how can we come join the, the Epic Steak team? Yeah, absolutely. You can uh, email me. My uh, email is uh, Petra. That's P-E-T-R-A at epicsteak.com. Yeah, and uh, everybody is welcome, um, every single talent. Or if it's just uh, personal advice, I'll be uh, very happy to share. All right, and I believe this is going to be episode 250.
53. So just head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 253 to find the links to the books that Petra recommended, uh, Vera Slingshot, a summary of today's discussion, and to get her contact information. It will be all right there again, restaurantunstoppable.com slash 253. Petra, thank you so much for taking the time. To, thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. You were incredible. Uh, thank you. There's no questioning. You are unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for this opportunity. It was really fun. <laughs> Cheers. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. I hope you guys enjoyed it. So a couple of things before I let you go. I'm now offering free one-on-one 15-minute chats. If you want to get inspired, if you need to get just a little motivation, or if you have some questions about some of the things we talked about on the show, you can now chat with me for free 15 minutes. Head over to Restaurant Unstoppable to find the links. Don't forget that we have a complete list of all the books and resources our past guests have recommended. These are the books they read, the resources and tools they're using in their restaurant, the tools that are helping them be successful, a whole list archived right there at restaurantunstoppable.com. Don't forget to use my links if you really want to give back to the show. If you want to show your appreciation for all these episodes I'm putting out, the best way to support the show is to simply use my links when you discover something new that can help you in your restaurant. Thank you in advance. Also, keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. And I can't finish without reminding you to keep those emails coming. I love your emails. They fire me up. They keep me going. Tell me who you want to hear from. Tell me what you love about the show. Tell me anything. I'm here for you. Just shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. All right, that's all we have for today. I hope you're enjoying this journey as much as I am. Thanks again for joining me. Until next time, peace out. Peace out.